Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of Can Making News in Conversation. I'm Janice Osborne, publisher of Can Making News. Today, I'm so delighted to be joined by Joseph McKechn, who is the president of TD Wright, who make amazing cylinders for the can making industry. Joseph, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to finally make it on the show. What's about time? I know it is. You've how many of these do you have now? <laughs> we finally got you. Oh, well, this is our 16th, so uh, it's we're we're sort of uh, doing really well with it actually. So what I want to do is ask you about you because I knew TD Wright before you were involved in TD Wright, as you know. Um, tell me how the company was set up first of all. Uh, well, a company years and years ago, uh, before I was involved, um, was set up just out of a basement. Um, always making cylinders, though. We always made magnetic cylinders. And uh, it started with one patent for a spiral magnetic cylinder, which was a new way of attaching magnets to a cylinder. And our market was actually mostly the paper industry. And then it Turns out there were uh, quite a few more uses for these cylinders, and so we branched out. I mean, now it's it's all over plastics, cardboard, and obviously our biggest is uh, cans. And so you say you said it many, many years ago. Would you know when it was set up? Uh, well, it technically was started in about 1975, um, but it wasn't incorporated until 77. Wow. And who set it up? Uh, that was Ted Wright. So it's it's named after the uh, the original owner T D Wright, and he set it up in the basement of, uh, I believe it was his family's uh, corporate building, and he was allowed to use the basement as a little shop. Wow, that's incredible! So I wonder what, why did he do this? Do you know why he set this up? Has he been involved in the industry in some way before? Do you know? He was involved with a separate company, um, and actually that company he was part of the the team that had the original patent. The original patent was not a was not a TD Wright patent. It was his previous company, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it was. And he saw that patent, and he said, you know what? There's more we can do with this. So he got the patent from them and uh, did more with it. Did more with it. And the D, of course, stands for... David. No, the D is actually his middle name. His name was Theodore Douglas Wright. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it was it was just his name as the uh, company. That's new. But I know your father was involved. Yeah, at- um, my father got involved in the late seventies. He was uh, one of the early employees. I think actually the first non-family employee. Um, he was hired when it was still just a tiny shop and. Uh, he ended up being a pretty crucial part of the company, helping them develop many of the lines we still use today. He ended up purchasing the company from Mr. Wright in the 90s, I think, early 90s. And so he went from employee to owner. I remember him very well. He was a great guy. So you took over. Um, well, if I remember correctly, you sort of took over, but you weren't sure about taking over. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Well, it was, <laughs> you sort of thought, oh, I'll do this. <laughs> well, I, it, uh, I got thrown in a bit. You know, I cleaned machines when I was a teenager here. So I was involved a little bit then, answered some phones. Not sure who trusts a teenager to answer phones, but I did it then. And, uh, and then I actually 
went to college, worked at an ice cream shop all through college. I was a ice cream maker and manager there. Uh, graduated college, and then I moved to New York for a little bit to perform. Um, and then I ended up moving back to Minnesota when my dad got sick, and uh, yes. I was helping out with the company then. Yes, I remember. So you've been doing this on and off for most of your youth. Um, you must be absolutely addicted to the whole system now and the whole the whole company, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been over 11 years now that I've been doing this. Actually, That's it. I remember meeting you uh, pretty early on, that basement bar in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> probably somewhere like a bar. That's where we all hang out. Yeah, because I remember meeting you through Peter Strode, because Peter Strode, of course, was a great was a great help, wasn't he, at the very beginning? Yeah. He worked closely with your dad and then with you. Yeah, he was uh, one of my dad's good friends and um, worked closely with him. And it was nice to be able to uh, travel and have at least somebody that I would recognize and could talk to. Mm. to kind of show me around and uh, meet people. Yeah, how did you find it at the beginning? It must have been a pretty daunting. It was, and, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, I look back on it, and I, I do cringe a little bit seeing some of these old photos. <laughs> Just, oh, I didn't know what I was doing yet, or felt like I was in over my head. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, we've got a good crew here. A lot of the guys at our shop have actually been here decades. Yeah. So you've got a great support network. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started, I mainly focused on the marketing side of it. Um, so that's my that's my degree. I have a business degree with a focus in marketing. That's what I felt comfortable looking at first. And really it was a lot to a lot of information to take in. So I starting with little bits at a time, spending time on the shop floor, figuring out all of the processes of how we make it why we make it that way, why we use the materials we use, all of that. So it was, a, it was definitely a learning curve, and I had to jump right in. Are you naturally technically minded? I mean, I, I would say yes to an extent. I'm not, I'm not an engineer, but I do like looking at the way things work. Oh, okay. What makes them tick. You know, working on my own bicycle is a every spring activity. Well, so that's why it all worked, because I wonder if you weren't technical at all and didn't really want to know about how things work, how you would have managed to do it, really, because you've got to be a certain type of person, haven't you, to learn this. I mean, it's it's quite um, precise, all of it, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. So from early on in your career, is there an important lesson that you can share with us that you have learned? Well, I will actually, it's kind of a weird lesson, but... Uh... Don't worry about the formality as much. The first shows that I went to, I was suit and tie, not knowing what I was doing. And the people there just wanted to have a conversation. They don't care if you're wearing a full suit and tie. I was actually told on one of the first shows that I went mm. to, don't wear that tie. You don't need it. Nobody here is wearing a tie that's not that mm. formal. So learning that it's just a conversation. You're just trying to figure out how to help. And as soon as you figure that out, mm. you can take it back to the office, digest it, and put it into action. It is quite a casual industry, isn't it? I have to say. I think I enjoy it that way. Yeah, I know. I think at the at um, Latin Can, we dressed up for the evening for the boxing. Yeah. And we were then too dressed up, so we can <laughs> no one bothers anymore. I think it's yeah, it's changed. We were all dressed up while there were people on stage uh, running around in spandex. <laughs> 
It was bizarre, wasn't it? It was good fun though. So and so now you're president. Yes. So you're the VIP. You're the main man. You're running the shop. <laughs> Tell me about magnetic cylinders because you say you're unrivaled. Tell me why you're unrivaled. What is your what's the USP of your cylinders compared to others? I know you're one of the best. Well, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> um, well, we've really kind of developed our own uh, our own system that's been in place for years now. Uh, it's our our Enoch system. It's um, become pretty standard on the Rutherford decorator, actually. And it's uh, a tapered shaft and a cylinder that attaches to it. And then all the adjustments for the uh, registration are done on the shaft. So you can pop that cylinder off, put a new one on, and it's going to be very nearly lined up. You know, nothing, is, nothing is perfect, everything from the way they set the plate. Um, but it's going to be really close. And uh, that system really took off. And that's kind of been our, uh, our bread and butter. There's that. We've, uh, we've been known for uh, keeping our quality up. People get our parts and they're generally happy with it. And I guess right now we're just focusing on making things a little bit quicker to uh, keep everybody happy. So you say that you can also make the cylinders bespoke for your customer. So you can make it to actually fit what they require, which is, is that unusual? No, that's actually pretty common. I would, I would say the, the unusual bit is that the metal decorating cylinders are all pretty similar. For other industries, they can be completely drawn up from scratch. A cylinder that's never been made before by anybody. And they have special requirements. And uh, they send us a drawing. We'll look at it, send them a quote, and we'll we'll make it. So we're we're really mm. comfortable making unique parts and one of a kind parts. Yeah, I love that. I think that's excellent. I guess the one of the more unique ones that we've done is uh, we had a pair of cylinders that were used to crush cut cardboard, and they were the biggest ones that we have ever done, the heaviest at least. And it maxed out our two-ton crane. And then we had to do some of the work um, basically in a machine that said it wouldn't do it. It was going to be over the weight capacity for some of our machines. Okay. And it ended up working and being fantastic. I'm sure it's still in use today. But it was, uh, it was a lot different than uh, the can parts that we're used to making. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, so um, are you global, totally global now? Oh, yeah. We're... We're all over the world. Hard to think of a, a region we don't have some parts in. That's incredible. That's amazing. Um, there's nowhere at all then in the world that there isn't a cylinder. <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the South Pole. <laughs> well, yeah, we could do it with a can flat in the South Pole. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure they make too many cans over there, but uh... <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, so to keep up, you know, keep up with the competition. Obviously, there is competition. Do you spend a lot of time researching? Do you have an R&D unit? Do you have guys there on the shop floor um, improving, testing, researching? They've started making uh, similar parts to ours. There's a few competitors out there that are attempting to make uh, similar products, but we've got more experience on our side. We've been making them for 
years and we've learned the hard way what to do, what not to do. We've got mm. the materials that we use I haven't seen anywhere else. And uh, I think that really makes a difference. Absolutely. So we're a, we're a small company. We don't have an R&D department. Um, so we, we don't have a dedicated department to it. Now, having said that, we are constantly making changes. We've got our engineering manager who's, he's great at always looking at these little changes that could be made, whether it's the material or the washer mm. that goes on the bolt. And we might try a little fix, change it, and then send it to a plant to test yeah. out and see how it works. Uh, and then we actually get a lot of feedback from customers on what they would like to see. And then we make it happen. So how do you monitor your, how do you monitor your feedback? Do you ask them individually or do they contact you automatically? A little bit of both. Um, so there's quite a bit of conversation between us and the end customer. So anytime they have a problem or uh, an idea, feel like they're pretty comfortable coming to us and saying, hey, we thought of this. Can you make it happen? And uh, mm -hmm. sometimes we can. And sometimes it's, uh, well, it's just an idea. But every time we give it a yeah. look and we uh, put it into production, if it's worth looking into. One thing I was going to ask you, videos do you have any videos at all of your products in action we don't really when they're in use they're spinning really quickly um so it's hard to see them the closest we've got is they did a how it's made do you remember that show from years ago the discovery channel how it's yeah. made yeah and they had how a can is made and you can tell that they are our cylinders in that episode oh my goodness so you can see that you now you can see that now it's I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that was that's really worth looking at. I'm going to look at that afterwards. Um, yeah, so the key to your success really is personal service, isn't it? Individual service. And also because you're a small company, I guess you really do, I guess your customers feel as though they are getting a real personal service. I think so. We have the same person that people talk to all the time. You know, they always see me at the conferences. If they've got any questions they want to reach in person, they they generally speak with Laura when it comes to putting in orders or uh, having questions on shipping or anything like that. And then it all goes back to our engineering manager, who's actually been here, I want to say, 38 years now. And uh, so if somebody had a question from 20 years ago, we can go to them and say, do you remember this question, this project? And he does. Mm. That's it's really important. So is Laura your like your PA, your assistant? She's our office manager. So it's it's more than an assistant. Oh so, yeah, well, she's very yeah. important. She handles yeah. everything from paying bills to uh taking orders and everything in between. Oh amazing. So projects for the future. I mean, have you got any secrets you can share? something that might be happening that we can hear about. Um, I suppose you can't give too much away, but I was wondering if you've got any, um, any big orders uh -huh. that are coming through. I will say that our main focus right now is production. After the past couple of years, all the, the lead okay. times in the industry, we don't want people to have to wait anymore. So we are 
working on production, stocking shelves, putting these parts near complete so that uh, when you order mm. them, you can have them in a faster time frame than ever before. That's your USP, isn't it? Really, that's the that's the way. Because I would imagine the problem nowadays is the fact that people have to wait yeah. for their products. Yeah, and so if you can beat that, you're on a winning wicket, aren't you? Exactly. Do you know what a winning wicket is? I'm, <laughs> just I'm guessing what it is, What's but a, wi uh, a winning wicket. I've never watched a game of cricket. <laughs> you never watched a game. Well, they last um, days. Yeah, it's, so when we say you're on a winning wicket, it means you, you, you're on the road to success, but you're already there anyway. So, well, um, so for the future, you're going to be speedy. You're going to be speeding up your production line. That's what That's you're saying. That's our goal. What about shows and traveling? I know you travel You travel a lot. Um, and I think the last time I saw you was Latin Can, which was a really good show, wasn't it? And before that, it was Met Pack. Um, do you get a lot of business from the shows? I think the most important part of the shows is just keeping up communication. Like I said before, it's it's good to hear feedback. Mm. It's good to talk to people, to see people, and hear how the parts are going. Even if they've just placed an order with us, and mm. we've already shipped it out, and uh, they don't need anything from us right now, it's great to have them stop by and say, hey, parts are working great. We've got this recommendation for next yeah. time. Yeah, it's customer service, isn't it, really? It's, it's PR. I agree with you. Um, I think it's important. I think since the pandemic, we need to see more of each other. We didn't see enough of each other for a couple of years, did we? And that was a bit of a problem, really. Um, so the next show, I guess you will be going to the IMDPA in Chicago, which I'll be going to yeah. as well. Yeah, I'll be uh, driving down next month, I think. Yeah, next month. Driving, how long does it take to get About there? six and a half hours. Six and a half hours by the time you Is get it, through. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be flying. Be a longer drive for you. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask you this question. Um, who, in, who has influenced you the most throughout your career? So can we go right back to maybe school even and, and college as well as now? Because there must have been a couple of people in your life who have absolutely helped you get where you are. Or you thought, wow, they're really impressive. I really can learn from these people. Well, I think the. The biggest one is uh, is my dad, who I took over for. Yeah. Um, there, you know, he was always the one to help me, even in school, help me move, get set up in the the dorms or the new apartment or whatever. And then, through my whole life, I'd always heard about what he did for work, and what the company did, and what his thoughts on it were. So even after being in the industry for over 11 years, I can still uh, look back and hear a couple things he said that, oh, he was right. Yeah. I didn't understand it before, but I get it now. I get what he said. I get what he meant. Yeah. That's so true, isn't it, with parents? Because they say things. It's only when you grow up <laughs> that you, you remember what they've said, and it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's not always something you get uh, right away. Anyone else? I'm sure there are there are tons of other people that have uh, kind of shaped me to be the way that I am, for better or for worse. Yeah, well, you, you had you, you you had a career in ice cream. Does that that must have shaped you in some way or another? <laughs> it did, yeah. 
Of course, you're talking about the, uh, the performing bit. And then there's the performing bit. Now, that is so exciting because I bet our listeners don't know this, but go on, tell. Well, uh, when I was living in New York, I was, uh, it was actually a dance company I was performing with, but it was, uh, I was doing circus skills there. I was performing with a, a couple other circus performers because uh, when I was a kid and a teenager, I was part of a youth circus in Minnesota. And so that was kind of part of my wow. life and still is. I still do help out and coach there from time to time. Oh, do you? Ooh. Ever so often. After work, I'll go and have a couple, uh, couple students train, but it's pretty minimal at this point, just enough to stay in shape. That's interesting. My specialty was uh, called hand-to-hand, which is basically I'm on the bottom, and I've got a, a flyer who's maybe doing a handstand on top of my hands, and then I'll, I'll throw them. They'll do a bit of a flip and then catch them again. I've seen you do this at an exhibition several times. It's your party piece. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't seen you do it for a little while. Yeah, I remember, I remember it very well. Um, I think that's an amazing hobby to have. So at the end of the day, when you close your office door and you go home, how do you chill and relax? What do you do? Do you go to lovely restaurants? Are you into food? Do you drink wine? What's your way of, of unwinding? How do you unwind? Well, I think because I'm in Minnesota, it really depends on the season. So right now it's uh, scorching hot out. I think it's near 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like 30, 37, 38, I think. Yeah. So I'm, I'm outside as little as possible. Mm-hmm. But on a nicer day in the summer, we've got, we've got about 200 breweries in Minnesota. So wow. going to some of these breweries is uh, one of my favorite things to do. Just go to the local brewery down the block. They might have a food truck, get some dinner. Amazing. So if I were to, to ask you to sum up TD Wright in a sentence, how would you sum up your company? Well, I would say that, yeah, TD Wright's a cylinder manufacturer through and through. It's what we do. It's what we've always done. And it's what we know. We, we're great at hearing feedback and working with that and making whatever the customer needs. Perfect. That's perfect. Um. How can our customers connect with you online? Yeah. My email address is jmce at tdwinc.com. And then our website is, uh, as you might expect, magneticcylinders.com. I've got, oh, actually, I've got tdwrite.com as a website. Well, that's, that's also our website. We have, we have multiple. So this has been really interesting. And... My next thought is that we're going to meet again at the IMDPA. And I guess we're going to have to swap shoes again. We will. Just one, though. Or was it both? I don't know. For our listeners in Germany, at the the end of the show, I think we had a few drinks. There were five of us, and we decided to swap shoes with each other. You had to be there to find it funny, didn't you? Well, it was your idea. But I... Yes, then you had... uh, I think I had... The the men were wearing the girls, and the girls were wearing the men. Was was it my idea? I think it was actually. And we have a photograph of that. So this has got to be a tradition now, hasn't it, Joe? That when we go to the IMDPA, we're going to have to find some people and swap shoes. Actually, Flora's going to be there. So 
<laughs> We're gonna have to swap shoes, and then that can go on your uh, your review of the show. That'll be the headlining picture. <laughs> Could be a new thing. <laughs> uh, we have had some fun, haven't we, over the years? I think. Well, thank you very much, uh, Joe. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close this, the chat? I'll just thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Ooh, you're very welcome. It's been good. Okay, thank you very much, Joe. Um, see you soon in Chicago. I'll see you in Chicago. Keep doing what you do best. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank Joseph McCacken for taking part in the 16th episode of Can Making News in Conversation. It has been a great chat. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Please subscribe to Can Making News and you can download all the episodes online. And please share also um, with your colleagues if you want to spread the word. I'd also like to thank Adrian for producing another fabulous episode. If you would like to hear more information or be part of one of our podcasts, please contact me, Janice, at canmakingnews.com and I will be very happy to answer your questions. And now you're even more famous. Here we go. In the magazine. <laughs> you're going to be bombarded with emails. Or well, shoes. <laughs> or could shoes. be both. <laughs> that was bizarre. <laughs>